Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Chattanooga, Tennessee, it's time for Chattanooga Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Good afternoon and welcome to Chattanooga Business Radio. I'm Sherry Young, your host for today and for the new Women in Business series. Really excited to bring this to our listeners. And our guest today for our first show is Stephanie Crow. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you, Sherry, for having me. Absolutely. Stephanie, you have a really impressive uh, resume and, and history here in this community. Stephanie, you're currently serving as Chief Experience and Strategy Officer for SmartBank. Yes, That's my exciting. dream job. Yes, I can't wait to hear more about that. That's a unique title. And then uh, you have over 20 years experience in the banking industry, working with investments, wealth management, marketing, consumer engagement, all of those things. You serve on multiple boards here in town. Uh, Most notably, I think, uh, for our Women in Business series, I want to point out that you're a uh, co-founder of the Women's Jump Fund. Yes, Uh, such a great group of women that inspire me. Wonderful. And many other wonderful women involved in that organization. And I'm excited to hear more about the Jump Fund as well. Absolutely. And so maybe we can tie that in. But our focus for today is is really twofold. One, I want to hear about your experience in the banking industry mm-hmm. as a woman mm-hmm. and being in a C-level position, mm-hmm. what your experience has been, how you arrived where you are now, and uh, any challenges along the way. Sure. Uh, Spread some good news for those women out there who are, are already in banking positions yes. or in the financial industry altogether, I think is historically a male-dominated field, uh, particularly in the South. And so congrats to you for breaking down barriers there. Well, I started in the banking industry in the South, and I started as a trust assistant. I came out of University of Notre Dame. I put myself through college. Um, I was studying pre-med, but sort of burned out and knew Mm -hmm. I would have to take a lot of loans out to go on to medical school. And I just wasn't going to do that without having the fire in the belly. So I took a break and um, with basically pre-med and liberal arts behind me, no business training whatsoever. uh, There was a great man who picked me up and, and brought me on board as his assistant and started training me in the trust and investment space. Um, I was in my early twenties and I realized that I just loved how money works. And I came from a family situation where my dad got out of the military um, during a downsizing, had a period of unemployment, had some financial stresses when I was a young child. And so I woke up in my early 20s realizing money's important and I want to be equipped to make financial decisions. And in the trust department, I was surrounded by very successful people. My clients had achieved great success. So I started learning the trade and the craft and really listening and observing and hearing their stories. So it was a phenomenal start. Great. And from there, you moved on into banking and and more into working with private clients, I think, and then clients who maybe needed investment and um, funding, traditional, non-traditional, and looked at creative ways of helping them get started. And what was your experience there as far as ratio of men to women at the time? I would say, you know, by the time you're in your 30s and you're in more of a management position, what were you seeing in terms of startups? There still were fewer women advisors as a senior vice president for a national bank. Um, There were still many more male advisors at the table, 
But uh, I found that I was so well received by my male and female clients. And um, stylistically, the way I approach business, the way I love to educate. Uh, my husband likes to say that I'm, uh, yeah, I'm brutally competent. Ah. So <laughs> it, it's not my intelligence. It's, it's not my charm. It's, it's, you know, he just says I'm brutally competent. And I always felt that in business, especially as a young woman in a um, kind of an older man's sphere, delivering on your promises, under-promising, over-delivering, making sure that you really did your homework and that you prepared. Um, that was huge for me. And so what has been uh, actually a, a wonderful benefit of aging is I no longer have a baby face to overcome. Yes. And I am sporting <laughs> some gray hairs proudly. Yes. So uh, with honor, I'm, I'm, I love to show that uh, I no longer have, you know, the young woman in banking vibe. Love I'm it. past That's that. That's great. I'm so past you're totally that. just in your in your skin and confident and just really rolling. It's not it's from talking with you uh, in the days prior to the show. It seems like you're really just in a great place. You're super excited. And tell us about Smart Bank and tell us about this Chief Experience and Strategy Officer position. How you got there? Yes. And um, what is it? So I I have to back up to say that I came out of a national bank, um, had the chance to join a startup bank. I was at a place in my life where I realized that I didn't um, just want to work at a very high level for a company with 200,000 people. I really wanted to figure out what it meant to be on the ground floor of something and to start something. And that was a phenomenal experience. About nine years ago, the company ultimately sold. But in eight short years, I held a variety of positions and I got to do a little bit of everything. And the closer I was to where the company came together, where the CEO was working with the executive team and the directors and the shareholders and the associates and the clients. I loved that nexus. So I learned a ton. When the company sold, it was really a God moment. But my dream job, the not, not, my break the glass ceiling job, opened up simultaneously. So just a, a crazy story, surreal. Smart Bank came to me and said, um, we're thinking about banking's future. We're a community bank, but we don't want to be traditional. We want to remain innovative. We want to think about um, being dynamic. We see financial technology companies competing with traditional banks and capturing market share. And we've got to act more like they do to stay relevant, to stay competitive. So how can we take a community bank and create almost a startup vibe to redefine banking for Chattanooga? And a perfect opportunity to do that surfaced when Smart Bank originally founded out of Pigeon Forge within the last 10 years, a newer, very entrepreneurial bank, came to the team in Chattanooga, a legacy bank, Cornerstone, um, <clears throat> just a, a solid community bank, big-hearted bankers. I, I, I call them servant leaders. And these two companies facilitated a merger of equals, um, which was finalized. The two banks um, finally integrated at the end of February and rebranded a smart bank. So I came out of a startup environment, which I adored, and I call this a restart up. So it's the, the opportunity to take kind of a legacy um, and renew it and uh, redefine it. And so SmartBank came to me with a very unique position, chief experience and strategy officer. Usually much larger companies create these roles. So this is very unique for a small community bank, a $1 billion in asset bank, to be this forward thinking, to have um, what I'd call sort of an in-house entrepreneur and what this world does, it's very much free-floating. I love to say that 
I don't really, I'm not really responsible for anything. I don't really operate anything, <laughs> but I like to make things happen. And I, I love to um, integrate with the, what the rest of the executives are doing. The base of strategy for the bank lands in my, in my chair. Yeah. And I work with all the executives to um, develop that plan. The board approves the plan. Our regulators, you know, like to look at it periodically. And now we're, we're tracking and executing on it. So the strategy is very important. The other piece of it is experience. This bank knows that um, clients have lots of options. We are heavily regulated, so you can't really come, you know, there's certain things that you can or can't do in our industry. So really the way that we um, differentiate ourselves is the client experience. Um, It's how we are sitting at the table with our clients, how they feel about working with us, how we're able to advise, mentor, support. I'd say it's the added value that we provide over and above the basic fees for service. Okay. All right. Awesome. And you, you and I know each other outside of this room. So uh, knowing me, you know, I want to get down to brass tacks and I want to take what you just said and let's translate that, that uh, explanation into something that our listeners can really understand. So when you say that you want your uh, customers to have a different experience, with Smart Bank than they might have somewhere else. Going back to women in business and and specifically women in business who own their own businesses, because I want to go there for just a minute. I mean, the reality is we're in Chattanooga. We're in a city that is being uh, widely recognized uh, for the volume of startups coming out of this town. and, And that's super exciting. And we're seeing Frankly, I'm seeing uh, in, in my business, many women, what I call hitting the streets, you know, they're breaking the glass ceiling. They're looking for ways to balance family and career aspirations and to monetize their skill sets that will take them beyond what any salary might offer them. So I would imagine you have women coming to you off the street, per se, either by referral or bump into them and they say, uh, you're, you say, I'm Stephanie Crow, and I'm Chief Strategy and Experience and Strategy Officer with uh, Smart Bank, and we are leading the charge for courting female entrepreneurs in this city. What can I do for you today? Right? That right. Works. Okay. So that's, you're out every day looking for those opportunities. And what kind of experience would you create for that, that woman who came and sat at your desk and said, okay, let's get started. I need sure. business banking. I may need a loan. Sure. Where, where do I go next? Yes. Okay. And some of this is happening in-house. Um, we have several phenomenal female lenders, but we still have a pretty male-dominated um, banker base. And what I just adore about this team, I, I tease them, but it's serious too, that I consider this group um, bankers who love women. And <laughs> I still hear, I mean, I have, I have amazing friends, some out earning their husbands with professional, you know, great degrees. And they're coming to me and they're telling me that even in today's world, they are sometimes running into, um, I'd say, bias, where they'll sit in a room, they're with their spouse, they're entering into some negotiation, and the person on the other side of the table is like speaking to the husband or failing to copy the, the wife on a communication. And these are friends of mine who are used to running the money in their households, so they don't take it well. They, they they, they are financial powerhouses, and they want to be recognized as that. And so I just love this group of bankers who want to help people be successful. They love people with ambition. 
these, these, when I first walked in, I said, guys, I'm bringing the women, you know, how, how, how do you feel about that? And their eyes got so big and literally they just said, like, is, is this a trick question? Like, bring them, bring them. <laughs> they, they just, they just are so excited about ambitious women who have vision. Um, these are very experienced bankers. So they've seen a lot. They've touched a lot of different industries, a lot of different size businesses. They're so willing to consult. They'll look at a business plan. They'll help build a financial statement. I mean, these are bankers. I'd, I'd say the community bankers mm-hmm. are the men and women who aren't just thinking about a transaction. They're not just thinking about how am I making money. They're really thinking about service. They're really thinking about the rising tide lifts all boats. And if we can invest and be part of our client's success story, that's going to make us better too. Exactly. Um, and that's, that's a powerful experience. When, when women walk in the door, they can feel it. They can feel the orientation of the organization. They can yes. see if they're being taken seriously, if um, their credibility, their um, success, they want to be recognized. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that just that, that vibe in a room yeah. creates a whole different experience. Exactly. So that's really important. And I think as women, we're very sensitive to uh, our surroundings, how things feel, um, and not even being emotional about things, but just being really aware and in tune with our surroundings. And, and we pick up quickly on uh, perceptions, judgments, what have you. So I think as, you know, women by and large going into business for themselves, what I'm seeing is they're lacking confidence. They're lacking a network of support. And frankly, I think many, and, and I was once in this position, are lacking accountability. And if you're not in a collab or you're not in some sort of group program where you have people testing your idea and pressing in and pushing back on you, um, it's very easy to think that you can go out with your dream. And it can be a great dream, a great idea, and very sellable, marketable, monetizable. But to have someone in your court with the operational and financial experience that your team has would be tremendous. So that that sounds really good to me. I like hearing that for our women in this town. And you mentioned that you, these community leaders in your bank and these um, lending officers would even look at a business plan, right? Absolutely. I've, I've had um, situations where if someone's in an early startup phase and they just aren't positioned to have a traditional loan, these bankers have such great community ties and they can help find other sources of capital or um, pursue, say, SBA lending, which has its own unique process but can be very advantageous. And we have a few lenders that do focus in that world. So I encourage our uh, female audience to wow. reach out to us because we're, we're very willing to spend time to show them those options. Um, but just to open doors and to make introductions. I found this in the Jump Fund. Um, you mentioned accountability. Yeah. The Jump Fund's been around over two years, possibly going on three. Since that time, just among the general partnership groups, a small group of six women, all of us have gone on to either launch a company, um, break the glass ceiling. We, we all have moved forward and taken a risk. And I don't think we necessarily would have done that without each other as inspiration and holding each other accountable. And I had that career moment a year ago when this great new job was being offered. Um, I was in a comfort zone. I was in an institution that I had been with almost eight years. I had joined within the first six months of formation. 
I felt like I knew this group like the back of my hand. If anybody asked me anything, if I didn't have the answer, I would know how to find it and I could find it quickly. So to think about leaving that was a a mad, bad, and dangerous moment. And we can talk about mad, bad, and dangerous, (laughs) but by virtue of being part of the female entrepreneurial movement in town, the jump fun, mad, bad, and dangerous, I realized last summer that I was really good at supporting other women to take the risk. Mm -hmm. I was great at cheerleading them on. Mm -hmm. And I had a moment of accountability. How can I say, you go do it, I'm behind you, and not not do it myself. Walk the walk. Walk the walk. You got to walk walk the the walk. walk. Walk the walk. And I love that. I love that about you. And you have so, I mean, just your story and how you pulled the trigger and you made the jump. Not to mention you have a family. You have two daughters and a husband of 18 years. Yes. So I would imagine you're quite busy at home and with family. And so managing a a major, through a major transition like that is disruptive. I see it with um, my network of friends. The Jump Fund partners are a great example, but the men in our lives are incredible. And these are guys who don't wake up thinking about their own scorecard. These are guys that are thinking about we. Um, They're thinking about the partnership. And so they know that their spouse's success reflects and helps the family. Um, I I love that our chairman, smart financial chairman, tells a story. Miller Welburn tells a story about his wife, who's a JD, CPA. Um, Her job helped give him coverage to launch his first venture. So without her professional job, it would have been hard for him to get his first start in business. Exactly. And that's what that having that mindset of we're tag teaming, we're partnering with child coverage, with community work, with career decisions. Yes. Shelly Prevost with her husband Chad in launching Torch. That's just a great marriage and a great story. And I want to celebrate the men in this community who get it and in in being the right partners help the women in their lives realize their potential. Exactly. Exactly. And it's interesting you bring that up because I, I do want to point out this being um, our first official women in business show as part of our series. You know, we're not in any way um, here to exclude uh, men. We love to champion men. Um, the focus on women in business is really important, frankly, because of the facts. If you look at, you know, um, American households and dual incomes and the need for two people to work. And frankly, the fact that there are more women who are single heads of household uh, than ever before. So uh, what can we do as a radio program to support women in business in this community and to create a sustainable environment for them? So we're here to bring you women resources out there who are listening in, or if you know a woman who is uh, aspiring to own her own business or is in a uh, employment situation uh, restarting her life post-divorce, just ne- a young woman out of college, number of situations out there. And, and we just want to take this time that we're going to uh, set apart every Wednesday to focus on these women and, and provide resources to them. Sherry, kudos to you. This is so important. Women still outlive men. So we have a longer horizon to plan for. Um, women still are not making the same pay. So, exactly. so they have that deficit to overcome. Um, women, there are a lot of uh, single-headed households, and they're taking care of children. Um, women tend to be the first responders for aging parents. We have so much on us as nurturers, at, as caregivers. And so the financial component is critical because I feel like we wake up thinking about taking care of others 
and the lifeline for others, if we don't seize the reins, if we don't plan for our own financial stability, we're going to end up in a, in a dependent situation and really um, not able to serve the people we love the most. So yes. it's, it's not selfish. I think women sometimes are fearful yeah. of sounding selfish and money still feels like a scary thing for women to talk about. It's not, it's not feminine yeah. to talk about money, but the fact that you use the monetized word, women, you know, let's focus on monetizing your value. Yeah. Amen to that. I'm, I'm all for that. And I've, you know, I've learned the hard way having had multiple businesses that, um, it's very easy to get caught up in a vision or a dream and being a create, being in a creative mindset. Uh, if you are not covering the bases and having your foundation in place monetarily, you cannot really, you can't get to first base is the bottom line right? We all have to pay our bills and take care of ourselves and our dependents if we have dependents. That said, let's move into, you've had amazing experience seeing women in all roles, in business for themselves, probably in in high-paying positions, uh, married, single, all of it. Let's talk specifically to women who need to get their feet on the ground, okay? Yes. Where do they start? So I'll tell you a great place I started as my career was building. I'm a, um, gosh, I'm just a lifelong learner. Uh, it keeps me young yeah. and, and I'm uh, greedy. I'm greedy for knowledge. And so I think that's another reason why you see in my bio all the activities. It's, I'm, it's like I'm driven when smart people are getting together. If they allow me in the room, I'm, I'm there. I just, I've got to be there because I'm watching and learning all the time. And so um, what's been powerful for me is Chattanooga Women's Leadership Institute. And I've been a member for probably 15 years. I'm on the board. This group has grown to over 500 members. And it's not a senior vice president executive group. I mean, this is really a women's leadership group that spans generations. They want to capture women coming right out of college all the way through the C-suite um, what I love about the group is they are so open to sharing personal stories. They have multiple programs throughout the year. We never get together without learning something. So there's leadership luncheons that might cover negotiation or communication styles, or we just had one um, on uh, knowing your value, articulating right. your value. Right. I'm working with Carol Newton, who's the former CFO of Memorial Hospital, and we're putting on we're in the middle of Women in the Boardroom finance series. And we're taking about 25 women over six weeks and talking about institutional financials, tying in strategic planning, roles and responsibilities, fundraising. We're bringing in panels. My own board member, Monique Burke, is coming in as a panelist to talk about the difference between for-profit and non-profit board roles. Great. Let's step back just a minute and tell me, um, for our listeners, um, Chattanooga Women's Leadership Institute, they can find that where? CWLI.org. Okay. Online. Um, membership is very affordable and you can kind of pick and choose and customize what you participate in. Okay. The group is really asking the question, how do we become larger and roll our programs out to women who may not be able to come to downtown Chattanooga? Exactly. Because that's, that's a real issue. How do we yeah. scale this and how do we leverage technology to bring these programs to the women of VW? I'm excited to see what you do with that. And yes. Yes. Um, now, so that's networking. Networking is very important. I think connectivity. Uh, I think as women, sometimes we just, you know, would rather like sit in our 
you know, sit in our office and, and not, you know, put on the hills and go out or whatever. It feels like a lot of energy to go to a luncheon sometimes for the purpose of networking, especially if you don't know anyone. So, you, you know. How do you I, get past that? Yeah. How do you sure. get past that? And this is such a receptive group. In fact, when the board meets and we talk about membership, we expressly say, who are our new folks? How do we know them? How can we make sure they feel welcome? How can we make sure that they feel engaged? Great. Um, diversity is a benefit. So we don't want the same kind of woman in these meetings. We want a real um, variety that they can share their experiences and challenge each other. So the networking is critical. Of course, the programming is always phenomenal. I'd like to say, don't underestimate the power of connections. And as I look at the startup community emerging in Chattanooga, as I look at the Jump Fund, Mad, Bad, and Dangerous, these things have all exploded by virtue of relationships. So women are building relationships. Um, they're able to uh, establish partnerships. Nobody really succeeds on an island. And truthfully, the best ideas are shared on a personal level. So I feel like the more you can invest in getting out, being known, expressing what you're about, the more you're going to attract the people that are, um, you know, congruent exactly. with what you offer. And like-minded and can, and can bring potentially resources that you need around you. And doors will open. My exactly. last several jobs were not jobs that were advertised. Yeah. They were really jobs that came to me by virtue of referrals. And, yeah. yeah, connections, connections. relationships. Yes. And in fact, you and I met, I think, by both of us really stepping outside of our comfort zone um, at Mad, Bad, and Dangerous. And so you introduced me, and that's the first time I had laid eyes on you. Yes. And so we've since become uh, friends and colleagues, and that's exciting. Yes. So had either of us not shown up or taken that, made the commitment we made, wouldn't have happened. So that's case in point. Now, beyond networking, what can women do, again, back to the entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. women who are not women who would necessarily be candidates for the jump fund. Mm -hmm. um, they don't need, you know, six-figure funding. They, mm -hmm. don't, they don't need that. They need to basically look at how much money they have, uh, how much money they might need if they need any, figure out how to get, to basically get out of the gate, right? Yes. With their business idea yes. and pay their bills at the same time. And um, what kind of, at Smart Bank and, mm -hmm. you know, what kind of coaching and and guidance mm -hmm. could you give them and would you give them now? Sure. So I'm going to become very basic here, but I like to say um, that even before launching a business, women need to take time to assess their personal financial situation. How's your credit score? It's hard to launch a business if your own credit score is suffering. That may be something to focus on before you go and launch a business. Um, what's your financial statement look like? And women, you know, the investment community loves to go talk to women about investing. Yes. What I find, though, is that investments need to fold into your financial profile, and that's determined by your financial statement. What are your assets? What are your liabilities? What's your net worth? How does your net worth track relative to your age and your income? How liquid are you? And mm -hmm. that's the cash that you have available. If there was a crisis, what could you get? your hands on immediately to cover expenses you have coming in the door. So really drilling down to a personal level first to make sure that that personal foundation is solid before you launch, I think that's critical. And your banker can help you with that. Now moving forward from that, oh, C CWLI, Chenega Women's Leadership Institute, in the fall, will have a personal financial series. 
So it's a, usually a six to seven week um, cycle, lots of great topics. I encourage women to jump in on that. Great. Um, very hands-on experience. So once you feel like you've got a great handle on that, then you can reach out. And there's so many great community resources like the Company Lab, um, the Tennessee Small Business Development Center. Chattanooga State is passionate about this, this cause. Uh, UTC has an entrepreneurship program. Something that's very exciting is my friend Hal Bowling with Launch um, focuses on disadvantaged communities. And it's sort of the, the opposite end of the spectrum from the jump fund. Typically, the jump fund is finding high-growth, scalable companies, the next banks, the next Tory Birch Enterprises. And what's so powerful about entrepreneurship, and Hal has tapped into this, is um, you can take folks who want to work hard, who have great ideas, who may not have a college degree. You can teach them some basic business skills, and they can start something that will break the bonds of poverty, get them off wow. government payments. You know, if a woman in the inner city starts some business, if it's barbecue on the corner, and she starts hiring people, and she starts feeding her children, like that's just a powerful cycle of empowerment. Exactly. And how bowling and launch does that. So I encourage folks who um, have an interest in sort of the transformational aspect of entrepreneurship to look exactly. at that program. Exactly. And so with your everyday entrepreneur, so setting out to start a service business, let's say I don't have a, a gadget or anything I'm making, I just have experience and I have a certain skill set and I can provide a service to a specific client. I could be, in my case, a, a public relations or marketing consultant. I know plenty of women who are financial planners. They're psychologists. They've been trained how to counsel. They have not been trained on how to run a business, right? So again, networking, I'm just going to recap. And then going back to getting what, I, what I'll call getting really real about your financial situation and whether you can afford to launch. So Sherry, as you're talking, I'm thinking something women have a hard time with is outsource. So as women, we love to touch everything. We love to control everything. We want it perfect. And if you're a small business, you cannot afford to do it all. So the best thing to do is understand what you do well, what are your strengths, and make sure that you line the partners up behind your business that will allow you to focus on your strengths and keep the business in motion. And so that may mean you're not a CFO. You're not an MBA. You're not the one to run your spreadsheets and do the analysis. Well, find a bookkeeping service, have a CPA, have, have, have solve for that so that your numbers are accurate, your books are in order. When it comes tax time, your CPA isn't pulling his or her hair out trying to figure out if you owe or if you're going to refund. Exactly. You can't manage strategically if you don't know your numbers. So you don't have to be an MBA to be in business. Just make sure that that's solved for. Um, the outsource on marketing. I know your, your venture is really in love with helping women think about their value proposition. What are they doing? How to position themselves in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you find a marketing consultant that can help you so that you're going to avoid mistakes. Something I love about Lamppost Group, and I've heard this from the founders, These are this is a team that's been successful. They really don't have to be hanging out in Chattanooga mentoring and supporting but they're so passionate about helping other entrepreneurs avoid the dumb tax. So find those people. Find those people that can help you avoid the dumb tax. And can you explain that? The dumb tax is the little errors that we all face when we're new to something. So if you can find, I, I, would, I would call this your Sherpa. 
<laughs> the person that may not be doing the work day to day. Yes. But that person who's on speed dial. Yes. Yes. And when you have a critical question, if you're wondering, do I invest in this or do I invest in that? Do I save a little money and just do it myself? Yes. This will be the person that has probably 20 years more experience to say, hey, I know where you're at. I understand how you're looking at it, but let me help show you another picture. This is another paradigm to consider. Yes. You need that. Yes. Or even just sleep on it. Sleep on it. Just sleep on it. Don't Take get emotional. A deep breath. You know, because we, as entrepreneurs, we tend to get excited mm-hmm. and think that uh, everyone's going to love our idea. <laughs> so something I want to encourage women in this facet, but women in business and money, we tend to discount all we know. There are a lot of studies emerging in behavioral finance that show that women are wired, their brains are wired to assess risk more cautiously. We're more risk averse than men tend to be. It's a biological thing. That's a good thing. Women tend to take more time and do more research. By the time we pull the trigger on investments or make a decision, we tend to land in a better place. And so I want women to understand that we tend to be a little more cautious. If we can get over the cautious factor and make a decision and trust our instincts and do the due diligence, we tend to make really good decisions. In fact, the Jump Fund has surfaced all kinds of research that show that venture capital groups that are funding female-led ventures tend to outperform the funds that don't. So the women that are getting in the game that finally pull the trigger on something, man, they're prepared. Awesome. They're not just winging it. Exactly. That's something women entrepreneurs need to be comfortable with. The other thing I'm finding is um, I've moved from banking that has focused on um, performance numbers, you know, business technicalities, what I'm exploring in Smart Bank is so open to this concept, and women tend to bring it to the table as leaders, is the emotional quotient, the soft skills. And in the Mad, Bad, and Dangerous Summit that just happened, there were several entrepreneurs that spoke to women having an aptitude for relationship building, gauging the temperature of their team, making sure the culture is working. You can have rock stars in the room but if they don't work well together, if there's, you know, kind of a bad exactly. vibe, you're not, you're not going to be productive. And so what I'd love to do is encourage women to understand that this is a unique attribute and a skill set that's hugely valuable in business. And so use it, leverage it, or find a company that will leverage it. Exactly. Exactly. And if you're in business for yourself, don't be afraid to bring that uh, part of who you are into your workplace. There's uh, a, a friend of mine who's new in town. His name's Will Harper. Okay. And he has a consulting business called Like Humans. He has done extensive research on this topic about the soft skills. The soft stuff is actually transformative and is a thing that differentiates just the good performing money-making ventures from the accelerators, you know, the great companies. Wow. And, and women, women as leaders around the table can bring that perspective, that sense, that intuition, and they mm-hmm. can help cultivate the happy factor mm-hmm. in a company. Because frankly, that's what we do in our families, right? Yeah, exactly. You want everyone to feel good, be happy, not just eat their vegetables. That's right. right? When people are happy, we perform. Exactly. Okay, again, I'm Sherry Young, hosting Women in Business. This is our new series as part of Chattanooga Business Radio. Uh, We are here every Wednesday live at 12 noon. Today, we have Stephanie Crow 
Chief Experience and Strategy Officer with SmartBank here in Chattanooga. Thank you for joining us today, everyone out there. Stephanie, I just want to move for a moment into um, trends. You know, we all hear the buzz about Chattanooga being an entrepreneurial city. What are you seeing in the banking and finance industry in terms of how is the banking industry going to rise up, I should say, um, to or transform itself to meet women in business? And not only as entrepreneurs, but also as women who, yes, make most of the uh, buying decisions for the household, um, and they're earning at least 50% of the household income in most cases, if you look at national statistics. So here in Chattanooga, SmartBank is really taking the lead and you're creating a culture of uh, just an open invitation for women to come in. And that's exciting that you're doing that. Uh, but as an industry, uh, what are you seeing? And what can we do more what of? What can you do more of? And really, what can women as uh, consumers and clients um, expect from our banking relationship? Yes. So this is a great question. And I've been in the room with banking executives asking it. Um, a friend of mine, Chris Nichols, is chief strategy officer um, for another bank that uh, is basically a bank that services other banks. And, and he said, Stephanie, we need to make sure that women as leaders are doing more in the bank industry than marketing or HR, which tend to be the functions that dial into our creative ability, communication ability, our people skills. Those are great functions to leverage those capabilities. Um, women, we need to see female leaders in all facets as CFOs, as chief um, underwriters, as chief lenders, um, as CEOs. And, and I love American Banker because they are um, pioneering a space to showcase the look and feel of these female leaders because they are different. And, and I've seen it as a 47-year-old woman in banking. I can see how as the, gener as the boomer bankers start to uh, consider retirement and the Gen X leaders are rising and, and starting to lead, it's, 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 a, it's a different dialogue. It's a different tenor. Um, I'm hoping to make banking relevant to the generation behind me. I want young women reaching out to me and saying, I wasn't considering your industry, but I heard you talk. I see what you do. You seem to love it. Help me understand how is this viable and how would this work for me? And I feel like the more that we can do that, that uh, show that banking is something for everyone. I've, I've been in a situation where I felt like, um, you know, oh, gosh, banking's running this way and maybe I'm over here and do I fit or don't I fit? You know, what, what is banking and is there a place for me? Yes. And I really feel the challenge for the industry and one that Smart Bank embraces is banking is for everyone. Exactly. And there really isn't a prototype. Um, the more diverse our associate team can be, I think the more we have a chance to connect with our customers. Exactly. Those clients are coming from a, you know, very diverse perspectives. And I know, for instance, my female friends that want to bank with an institution that invests in female leadership. They don't necessarily want to bring business to a bank that doesn't have female leaders at the table. Um, that's, I would say to women entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. don't just look at the website. Don't just look at the marketing materials. See if this is an institution that has women at the top. That's interesting. That's really interesting. 
because as women entrepreneurs, I think it's easy for us to talk the talk and really where from where we sit, okay, to invest in other women around us. Look to your left, look to your right, reach down, pull someone else up, right? Look up and ask for mentoring. We do that every day. But you're bringing up a point, and that is that in partnering with our critical partners, banking being one, maybe legal being another. Exactly. Accounting. Accounting, yes. yes. Um, that to actually take the time to research what that institution is doing or not doing to advance women in the business economy. Exactly. I agree. And in fact, I'm, I may not have considered this job without seeing Monique Burke at the table of Smart Financial. I remember when she signed on and the announcement and I just thought, wow, you know, if Monique, like she is so talented. She's got so many skills. If there's an organization that appreciates it and wants to dial into that, that's a company that I respect. And so that's, I've just got to say that I'm a great example of seeing how an organization is, um, uh, you know, casting light on the topic of women in leadership. It absolutely matters. And I'm, I want to encourage women to kind of vote with their dollars, exactly. so to speak. Yeah, that's wonderful. Now, and everyone wins in that situation. Everyone wins. Um, in terms of what we can expect as consumers, as banking consumers and business people, professional people um, of, any, of any kind, um, you know, business networking, or let, let's call it um, courting commercial business, right? Um, the way I, my perception of that is um, a man in a suit at a, an after hours uh, cocktail or on a Saturday morning or even out of the office on a Thursday at a golf tournament, right? And um, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, that networking system has worked and worked beautifully. But as more women come into the, the city's economy, needing and looking for those solid banking relationships, it's business different. or personal, you will not find us on the golf course no. on a Thursday afternoon. So most of us anyway. So how are you coming out mm -hmm. into the community? How are you finding us so that we don't have to go look for you? This is a great topic because I've had this debate in my past life. And I have had women come and say, I'm not on the golf course. Nobody's looking for my business. Um, so I've challenged my team. And this is something that I've discovered. I love serving on boards and serving in the community. Women are passionate about that too. When I help a nonprofit and support a cause, I tend to find and connect with high-level women who are equally passionate. And then typically a business relationship evolves. Yeah. So I'm encouraging the next generation of bankers to think about how they're investing their time to build the network and find the women because they won't be at the golf course. Exactly. And get out from behind the desk. Yes. Right. So and you're, give back. And, and give, give back. back. Women don't want to feel like they're a transaction, kind of like in dating. We, we just we just don't want the one day, you know, we yeah. want this to feel long term yeah. that, you know, you're taking time to get to know me. Yes. It's it's holistic. That we matter. Holistic. Yeah. Absolutely. Beautifully put. I want to thank you so much for being here today. You've been amazing. I would love to go on all day. I'm sure our listeners are wanting thank more you for the invite. It's such a pleasure. It's been amazing. Please tell our listeners how they can contact you. Yes. So I'm Stephanie Crow at Smart Bank. You can find me at S Crow, S C R O W E, at smartbank.com. Great. 
And um, you're also on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Yes. yes. That's a great way. And I've been posting blog, kind of my baby blog. Yes. So find it. So if you want to hear more from Stephanie Crow of Smart Bank, connect with her on LinkedIn, follow her post there. She's incredibly insightful and, and uh, intelligent. And just I'm so proud to be in this room with you, Stephanie, and in the same same community. Absolutely. Thanks for all you're doing, Sherry. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us today on Chattanooga Business Radio. Uh, for tuning in. If you'd like to download a copy of this uh, show today, you may do so after about 24 hours at chadnuga.businessradio.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. It's free. Please take a moment to review us on iTunes if you choose to do that and follow us on ch- uh, Twitter, not Chitter, Twitter, at chat, C-H-A-T-T, Biz Radio. Thank you again and have a great afternoon.